Welcome back to SUP FM, and this week we're interviewing Tez Plaveniex, who is the editor of StandUpPaddleMag.co.uk. He's been around Stand Up Paddle in the UK since inception in 2006-2007, and we're picking his brain about how to buy your very first paddleboard. Aloha, and welcome to SUP FM, the podcast for stand-up paddleboarders everywhere. So with no further ado, let's get out on the water and on with the show. Here are your hosts, Nick and Simon. Well, welcome to SUP FM, Tez. It's really great to have you on board. Thank you. Happy to be here. Happy to help. <laughs> oh, that's can. great. Yeah. So, um, I just if you could just give us a little brief overview about how you got into SUP, because I think you've been doing stand-up paddle for a long time now, right? Uh, yeah, relatively long time. I mean, um, I was I was certainly sort of one of the um, original UK adopters in my local area if you if you want to want to call it that um I mean basically I, I actually attribute two people to my stand-up uh tie-in if you like one of whom was John Hibbard of Red Paddle Stroke Starboard fame I actually watched him um at a windsurf festival turn up with a stand-up paddleboard and go out on a windless afternoon with everybody looking on from the beach going what the hell are you doing what is that you're riding um but my initial interest was sort of pricked at that point um, when was that about? That was around about sort of 06, 07. It was actually, I, li- I live on Hanging Island. Um, and for those people listening who are into sort of windsurfing, that, they'll probably appreciate the uh, the link Hanging Island has with windsurfing. It was where Pete Chilvers, back in 1958, um, originally invented um, the windsurfer by attaching a sail, for want of a better term, to a makeshift wooden plank which you would probably call a board these days um and with that so so it wasn't invented in hawaii uh no pete pete was actually uh, the 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 windsurfing whole different whole different ball game kind of fish but in 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 a short sort of bite-size description of windsurfing pete invented the sport but then it was Hoyle Schweitzer and Jim Drake in 1968 who actually brought the the sort of modern form of windsurfing kit to the masses. But in the 80s, it was those three, Jim Drake and Hoyle on one side and Pete on the other, who went through a massive court case patent battle um, to determine actually who was the original godfather of, of, of the sport. Pete actually won out uh, and he's now noted as being the original person that invented that sport but Hoyle and Jim still get the credit for sort of bringing you know the original windsurfer to the masses but the point being is if Pete hadn't have done that back in the day with windsurfing then Hailing wouldn't have the sort of reputation as being a center of excellence for for many different water sports not least stand-up um so back right in, and it's the national water for water sports festival exactly, every year exactly, there as well isn't it? Yeah, exactly yeah. that sort of when i saw john first out on a stand-up paddleboard that was uh when it was in its i think it was the second year and it was still called the fat face night windsurfing event at that point um but you're right nick now Alan Cross, the organiser of NWF, has, has sort of included all 
forms of well a number of forms of water sports and and stand-up's one of those um but yeah it was it was seeing john sort of paddle out and me going what's he doing a couple of years later i actually had a bit of an accident um where i broke my ankle and I was standing on, uh, sitting on the beach one windy afternoon, looking forlornly out to sea, uh, some pretty sick conditions, wishing I was out there. And another guru of windsurfing, Jem Hall, um, turned up on the beach, and he basically said to me, "When you're fit and well, you need to get out on a stand-up board because that will basically help strengthen your ankle and get you ready back in it for windsurfing full power again." And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And literally a couple of weeks later, my wife tried it first. I thought, that looks easy. I'll get on board. I got on board and promptly fell off. Um, had a bit of a tantrum, <laughs> threw, the toys, <laughs> threw the toys out of pram, stomped back off up the beach, thinking that it was stupid. Uh, watched Fee, my wife, again, paddle off into the distance and think, you know what, I'm not, I'm, I'm not letting her get one up on me. Uh, and then gave it another go, persevered with it, and, yeah, sort of got got straight into it, really, within sort of 10, 15 minutes. And and, and the next thing, you're running a magazine all about stand-up paddle. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that was a, that's a bit of a... Um, yeah, that, that's taken a while to get to that point. Um, in the interim... I've sort of my, my my background, my my sort of experience, if you like, is um, uh, sort of digital content creation, curation, management, um, social media marketing, and strategy, and and sort of various parts of the content makeup for the digital webosphere, if you want to call it that. Um, and off the back of that, I also edited Windsurf Magazine for two years. So that's kind of how I sort of got into the whole writing and editing lock. But back last year, um, after spending another year previous to that talking to a couple of different big publishing houses about the idea of setting up a UK-centric Paddleboard magazine, I, I'd sort of hit a brick wall with that because big corporates sometimes don't always – uh move quick enough if you like and i'm I'm quite an antsy kind of person some would say impatient um and it, and it just got to a point where it, it just wasn't moving forwards i'd already done a bit of work for the paddler e-zine uh which is now the paddler magazine um which for those who know sup mag uk will be aware that that the paddler is is from the same stable run by pete tranter and Anne egan and I knew through my involvement with that that Pete and Anne were looking for another project. And I was basically like, you know what, these guys seem on it and bang up for it. So I approached them and, um, yeah, they, they were up for the idea. That's also having previous to that run standuppaddlesurf.co.uk, which was a website that actually John Hibbard set up. Um, and that was really the first incarnation of what Mag UK is. Unfortunately, between myself and John, John running Red Paddle and getting, you know, pretty smashed with that kind of work, he didn't have time to dedicate to that. And and I, you know, to sound shallow and fickle, needed something that 
paid a bit more um and and also there were a few development issues with the site as well so that that kind of fell by the wayside so there was definitely a gap in the market for a a uk based focused centric paddleboard publication which brings us to where we are now second year in fantastic that's great news so um obviously you in your capacity as an editor of the magazine you you choose a lot of boards and and you go through a lot of board um board reviews and things like that right yeah kit testing is is quite a big thing with the mag yeah all sorts of products don't you tez yeah i mean yeah yeah yeah, the 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 sort of (laughs) what one of the one of the things that we picked up on and one of our unique selling points of the magazine you know this isn't this is not meant this is not me trying to sell the magazine you either like it or you don't but you know one of the things that i i sort of want to focus on as a goal is to get information and knowledge out there regarding you know specific stand-up paddleboarding kit across all of the disciplines as much as possible but also the accessories and related products that make up the whole paddleboarding sup lifestyle thing you know in, in in the uk and simon yes we uh you kindly sent over some of your gear <laughs> there's a plug for hutch supware um, <laughs> we which we, uh, we, we which we reviewed and and was sort of received uh, really well by by um, by the majority of the readers, so that was all good. But yes, I mean, m- m- part what it, kit reviewing and testing again that stems from my days at Windsurf Mag, and I and I know how much um, people crave readers crave that kind of information. You know, I, I mean, at the end of the day, getting sort of good impartial views on sup kits particularly in this in the uk in this country is is pretty hard you can find the marketing stuff um but at the end of the day marketing is marketing and what people really want is to get you know a view that's unbiased as much as possible yeah, I mean, we all have okay. our favourite bits of kit, but yeah. yeah. Sure, absolutely. Because picture this. I mean, there's a, there's so many people coming on board into stand-up paddle these days, whether it comes from various other disciplines or just mm-hmm. brand new people to board board sports. And I remember myself when I was just starting and, and I just looked, opened up Starboard's website and I just saw there's millions and millions, well, not millions, but, you know, loads. tens of different loads of boards. Yeah. And I was just absolutely flummoxed. And I think many people out there obviously feel the same way. And so... Yeah. What what did what did you what did your first piece of advice be for people who are just brand new don't know what's going on and what board to choose and what board to buy? I think if you're a newbie to sup, I think the first thing is to keep it simple. I think that um, you can, like you say, get completely overwhelmed by you know styles of boards, disciplines that boards fit into categories of rider and and constructions as well you know at the end of the day as a a beginner you you want something that's gonna float you um it needs to be stable um it it probably needs to fit a variety of paddling disciplines because i'd be surprised if i mean maybe you have seen laird you know dropping into 15 foot chopu or whatever but you're not going to do that straight off you know you you want to get on the water paddle around get those fundamental and foundation skills nailed down and then possibly progress in time 
so you know your your first board if you like definitely needs to be an all-round type of type of uh, stand-up paddleboard um you may want to go into waves you'll probably do the majority of your paddling to start with on on flat water um you may hear various terms such as downwinding rivers up you know and 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 the rest of the jargon that comes with the sport and and you may investigate those different terms and think actually you know what i thought i might want to get into this part of the sport but actually i'm going to aim for that part of the sport which is absolutely fine and you know your 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 original all-round board will probably stay with you right through the years because as much as you want to focus on one part of stand-up what you'll probably find is that you'll still do everything or or as much of everything as you possibly can because unfortunately conditions for those specific parts of sup don't happen every day not unless you live in hawaii like you've already mentioned nick you know it's sure it's one of one of those annoying things with mother nature unfortunately yeah so let's um hone in on this all-round board because um then afterwards we can talk about different disciplines because i've got eight disciplines all laid out here right um so for example i mean an all-round board i could turn around and say okay you've got to buy a 10 6 32 inch wide board mm-hmm. and, and do it but obviously it's different for different people right yeah definitely i mean 10 10 10 foot boards in in the uk are by far the the, the biggest selling boards still and, and and have been for years um in fact stick the word inflatable in that as well they inflatable ice ups whatever you want to call them are still proving to be extremely popular in the in the same kind of spec you know something as you rightly say stand-up paddle boards are all sort of reflective of people's overall body shapes weights and you know abilities you you may come into sup being an, a newbie having done some paddling before likewise you may come into sup having done nothing at all before you know at the end of the day you want to give yourself a, as much of a fighting chance as possible so width plays a big part as, as you just picked up on you mentioned 32 32 inches wide in stand-up is you know a fairly big board equates to a fairly big board um if it's got 32 inches of width it's probably going to have a a decent amount of volume packed in volume being thickness um as a a, a simple explanation there's a bit more to it than that but keep it simple thickness um and yeah you know the more stable the board the, the the thicker the board the more volume the board the more stability the more overall fun you're going to have and the less likely you are to fall in although falling in is still part of the sport and if you're not falling in, exactly. you're not trying hard if you're not falling in you're doing it wrong yeah <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but i had an interesting uh, person said something to me the other day which i found quite interesting because i was paddling on a on an inflatable and it's mm-hmm. about six inches thick yeah and they said that they felt that um a hardboard was actually more stable than this inflatable which is sort of bobbing around on top of the ocean not not being uh, what do you think about that yeah i mean sort of inflatable boards generally are as you say quite quite thick so they they ride pretty high 
and and because they're full of air, um, there's always going to be some play or slight wobble. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it's it, it's an airboard. You know, there's there's no getting away from that. Um, some brands, you know, this year RRD, for instance, are incorporating stringers um, in their boards. Corrin Sup, um, we tested their Thunder 12.6 last year for the magazine. And uh, Corrin Addison, for those who don't know, he's, he's a bit of a design wizard, but he's also got a, a, a real sort of long heritage within paddle sports. He's an ex-kayak champion. And he, he definitely thinks out the box. Um, and he sort of incorporated this carbon, almost like um, sort of fishing poles, if you like, telescopic fishing poles or tent poles, which slot into webbing straps, which are attached to the deck. And he calls it an exoskeleton. So that was designed to add, rigid, add rigidity to the board. Starboard have a paint, uh, sorry, Red Paddle have a painted um carbon uh rail insert technology which adds rigidity and, and all these things you know that they, they do their best to sort of up inflatables technology and get it to feel as close to a rigid as as a rigid board as possible but ultimately it's still going to be an inflatable for now that may change so you're always going to have that slight wobble um you know, like I say, I'll call it play in the board when when compared to to a uh, to a hard board, and because they ride higher, you've got more chance, or or there's more area of the board's rail that can get hit by chop, and and also an air board is going to be slightly lighter, um, and therefore more fly away, um, certainly in wind and breeze, that kind of thing. Whereas a, a sort of hardboard will tend to sit lower, you know. I mean, it, it, this is all relevant to, to shape and 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 purpose sure. of each different yeah. board. You know, there there are nuances across all boards in in all ranges, but this this is a very much a generalisation. But rigid boards will will, will sit lower. I mean, there and are slides through the water. Ex- yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we we, we I actually um, have uh, a red paddle um, all water nine six, which I've taken um, sort of on trips before, and th- there that's got a reduced volume concept in it. So that actually sits lower in the water and doesn't sort of suffer from that sort of wobble or play if you like so there are yeah, i've got an 11 foot board as well 11 foot red and it's um it's pretty thin these days are the yeah. 2015 sports so they're That's getting the better but yeah, no. exactly and this is the thing though there, there, the, you know there's, there's more than one way to skin a cat as that as the saying goes and, and there's you know as much as what i've just said is is a broad generalization there are sort of designs that buff that trend if you like you know it's just a case of, of of looking unfortunately going back to what you were saying where you click on a website of a one of the bigger brands and you're inundated with kit you know showing in front of you where do you start that's the problem you know it, it's easy if you've got a bit of a grasp of the sup industry but where do you start that that's that's the tricky bit Sure. So hopefully our guys out there, all of you listening in, are now looking for an all-round board or a cruiser or an explorer or a touring board. Um, correct? Touring boards, actually. What you just you just mentioned there. Touring boards. Are, uh, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of discussion about touring boards within the industry at the moment because for a long it's a bit time, trendy. Yeah. 
Or, well, yeah, the tre- trendy, yeah. But actually, for 2015, touring boards now are incredibly versatile. And there's an argument to say, should they actually be the go-to board for anyone who's had a small degree of paddleboarding experience? And then obviously they will stay with you through your whole paddleboarding career. All round boards, um, you know, the, the sort of rounded nose types, which we were talking about a little bit before, you know, they've got their place. Um, but actually, and, and I don't like the term touring boards, to be honest with you, because that suggests that you're going to be doing marathon paddles along your local river or coastline or whatever, exploring nooks and crannies. Yes, that's that's part of it. But actually, a touring board these days is is more about the all-round stand-up experience. They can be taken in waves, small waves, and, and, and ridden well in small waves, believe it or not. Good example of that is is JP's hybrid, uh, eleven foot, and Narsquel's Fit, eleven foot, which actually ride waves really well. But obviously, they've got the pointy noses as well, so they cover uh, distance on flat water much much better than rounded nose or round subs. Um, and of course, you know you can race them if you want to. They they actually. They they hold you know they they're, they're never going to be as full on as a as a top spec you know fanatic carbon falcon for instance but they will hold their own um, and and this and this is the good thing but the term touring board I'm not entirely sure whether that promotes the right image as to what these boards do but they're de- they're definitely worth considering if you, if you're in the market for a sup having never bought one before. And and okay. um, sorry, Tess, with the touring board, what, what's the sort of options in terms of width? So if you were a beginner, not sure whether to get one or not, is there a sort mm-hmm. of standard width for it? It's not, it's, yeah, standardisation within any water sport, to be honest with you, is not really a done thing. <laughs> I don't know yeah. why. It's, what's it, 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 they sort of touring boards for 2015, certainly, are, are sort of coming in around about 11 foot and anything from 30 to 32 uh, inches width. You know, if you're on the the lighter side, uh, smaller in stature, then you'd probably err more towards one with 30 width. And then obviously if you're a bigger bone individual, then you'd probably go more towards 32. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, it it, it depends what you want. And and obviously, you know, your local conditions play a big part as well. I mean, down here on the south coast of Hailing Island, you know, we get, sort of quite a lot of breeze chop that kind of thing if you're a newbie and you're not super confident in your paddling ability then you probably want the wider more stable board mm-hmm. you know likewise if you're on an inland uh, sort of canal stroke river you know non-moving water um then you'd probably plump for you know a less wide board but then there are all the other things that come into play you know like width uh, sorry, uh, volume, um, uh, and obviously, you know, the the, the whole contours, but that, that's getting a bit, probably a bit too technical for what most sort of newcomers would be looking at. I just feel that most board manufacturers may be um, offering so offering boards for sort of lighter people. I suppose that I'm, I'm 100 kilograms, so right. I just found it rather difficult. I think obviously the, the average human being is a little bit lighter than me. So that's, yeah, that's, yeah, I suppose so. I, I know what you mean. It, 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 yeah, I, it just feels that like there's not enough offered in the in the hundred kilogram range because 
Yeah. I mean, there is, there's a lot to offer, but still, I just found it a bit difficult in the beginning to try and figure out what board to, to, to use. I think, I think if you're sort of on the, on the, um, the sort of heavier end of the weight spectrum, um, then you, you're probably going to be less well catered for. You, you, you're right. You know, manufacturers, and this is across all water sports as well. It's the same with windsurfing. It's the same with kite surfing. It's the same with surfboards, you know, snowboards, what, what, whatever you want to look at. You know, the manufacturers produce kits to fit the average because the average is, is the average and therefore mass. You know, unfortunately, if you're either side of that, then it becomes trickier. However, you know, there are the products out there that will benefit you. It's just a case of wading through um, to find what you think on paper looks suitable. And then the tricky part is actually getting to have a go of that piece of equipment, you know. So the ideal thing is to try and get to a demo day or something yeah. like um, the National Water Sports Festival or yeah. something similar in the US yeah. and to try and explore and, and just try as many boards as you can, like at your mate's yeah, boards. Definitely, and... definitely. I can't stress that enough, you know. I mean, this. in fact, the editorial for the imminent magazine is going to be along similar lines to what you've just said there, which is encouraging people paddlers to get out there this year and attend any of these events and, and these demos. There are, there are more than ever now um, available. Um, and, and obviously with more manufacturers in the marketplace, that means more toys to play with, you know, yes, it's a time consuming thing. Yes. It can be frustrating and yes, you know, you can jump on one board, jump on another, jump on three before you, you know it, you've tried six and then you're back to square one because suddenly they all feel the same. You know, it's, 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 it's like kit blindness almost. So it, it, it will only become clear, I suppose, on reflection. But definitely, you know, trying as much product kit as you possibly can is a good idea. Retailers as well. Retailers have now got you know, extensive demo fleets of their own. Obviously, retailers are tied into certain brands, you know, that that's a standard. But there are a lot of retailers around there that stock different brands. So you can always go to one, one, one weekend and then obviously go to another the, the, the next weekend. Sure. But yeah, trying before, try, trying as much as you can is, is definitely worth it. And, 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 uh, and sorry, funny you say that because I was out this afternoon, Tez, for a couple of hours on the river and uh, mm-hmm. and cruised into shore. And uh, there were, I don't know, about 20, 30 women standing there on the uh, the shore. I thought they were there just to look at me come in beautifully <laughs> on my uh, Was that the fasting ladies who sup night or something exactly, like that, was it? Exactly, yeah. right. So yeah. there's a local independent brand called Fat Stick and the, the turnout was just in, incredibly impressive. So it's great. I mess- mean, it's great to see women getting involved as well. And it's also great to see a brand focusing on ladies specifically rather than us, bigger, burly, gruffer male it, it, types. It's, Exactly. And, and our discussion so far has been sort of fairly male centric, not surprisingly. Yeah. But, you know, one of the great things about SUP is, you know, the female involvement and certainly a lot mm. of the, the major international figures are, uh, are women. You know, we've got quite a the few Bell coming Anderson, up as, as guests. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. And and you know, I mean, from my, from my standpoint, you know, I'm I'm married to somebody who is actively involved in in all of these types of sports. So I have a vested interest, you know, to see that side of of the industry evolve and you know not fall by the wayside like some other sports have i mean at the end of the day you know sup needs to be it, it is already but it, it needs to continue to to sort of have that mass appeal across all demographics and that's kids as well you know i'm, I'm a big fan of, of of getting youth into this sport i mean at the moment certainly in the uk anyway there's a bit of a slant slightly towards the done fairly successful middle-aged bloke <laughs> mm-hmm. should we say yeah funny you mentioned that because we last week we had on um, anthony hoikmas from subtrotters.com right. and yeah, yeah, he was yeah. talking about the demographic yeah and it was spot on 45 years old male yeah um, but obviously with a large proportion of females i think he was talking about 30 to 40 percent of females on his site which probably is is about right maybe even higher percentage of, of females in in standard paddleboard today yeah, I, th- I think, you know, we, you go to any venue at the moment sort of around the country and, and it's surprising to see how many ladies are actually getting involved, which is great, you know. Um, and I think some of the brands are actually missing that. Yeah, I mean... The- well, there's a lot of them cater for, for... They've got female boards and female branded boards. But now as a, as a woman trying to start or a lady trying to, to find your first board... Surely most of most of the above applies. I mean, they're looking for something in, in the all-round category. Yeah, for um, sure, definitely. It would just be this, the this, the spec is is obviously going to be downsized to what you or I would be looking at. You know that that that's the thing. It's again, it's all that sort of you know your your body type, your weight, um, the area you paddle in most, and that's the key thing as well. The area you paddle in most, not not where you aspire to paddle or, or the conditions you aspire to sort of ride in. It's where you paddle most, where you're going to get the most use out of the kit that you're going to buy. Um, you know, all all those are, are are relative to you as an individual. Be you twenty five year old university you know, female student, a 10-year-old Grom coming up through the ranks or a 45 to however old you want to go, burly bloke, you know, looking to just do some general sure. mild paddling. And that brings me to all the different disciplines that, that new paddlers may not know about. I mean, I've got eight listed here. There's just, let's just go through them quickly. I mean, there's yeah, wave yeah. and surfing, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one we touched on was cruising, exploring, slash touring, whatever yeah. term you would like to use. Yeah. The third one would be racing. Mm-hmm. Fourth, whitewater rafting and going down rivers. Mm-hmm. The f- fifth one are yoga and fitness saps, which all have their different characteristics. Yep. Six, inflatables which i wouldn't say is really a, a discipline of but anyway um and obviously downwinding is a huge big exciting area yeah. yeah and then you've got obviously wake wakes up as well i mean i remember seeing a couple of years ago that boardworks i think it was boardworks <clears throat> um had started to manufacture a wake surf specific stand-up paddle boards so that's essentially wow. surfing the boat wake of a, of a wakeboard boat um, with or without a 
with or without a, a cord. Or yeah, a we, we, without without the rope. Yeah, we, 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 without the rope. Um, I mean, there's a few videos online of, of people behind uh, sort of wakeboard boats surfing the wake, and also a few videos online of people surfing. I think something I saw that recently was surfing the wake of a paddle steamer. Um, yeah, I've seen that in the gorge and in the it. west coast of USA somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've, yeah, and then you've got you've you've got fishing. You know, I mean, that's that's. I mean, I'm I'm also. Some people may be aware. I'm I'm also involved in editing uh, another uh, online magazine, which is to do with sit on kayaking and um, fishing is a massive part of that sport, and it's not quite so big in sup yet, but it could be. You know, oh, I mean, you've oh got... absolutely. I mean, I've, I've been out a few times and there are so many advantages with fishing from a stand up paddle board versus mm-hmm. kayaks. I mean, I, yeah. I was paddling along. You, you can see the fish and you know where yeah. to cast. So um, yeah. so it, it, it's definitely an, an advantageous doing it from stand up paddle board. Problem is, if you get a really big catch, you might end up in the middle <laughs> of the channel. but i think we'd welcome it here in the algarve because most of the people fish off these huge cliffs we've got and half of them fall off the bloody cliffs oh really so yeah it'd be much better if they actually want stand up paddle boards yeah yeah definitely definitely i mean there's so many different types of boards to choose from it's absolutely staggering isn't it it, yeah it it is it is i mean i was just going to say as well like one one of the other areas that we um that we see and i I was actually talking to uh chris martin from agent eight about this now agent eight currently in uh, JP gear um, and they do have a connection already with Imagine Surf which is the brand fronted by Dave Kalama Dave Kalama obviously one of the icons of ocean sports in general but certainly big wave surfing and stand up um, and, and and between myself and Chris we, we were sort of saying that you know the whole adventure paddling thing um, could be bigger than everything uh, and by that I mean you know you jump on your stand up you've loaded it up with your gear for the weekend or however long you're going to go off for you may have a couple of fishing rods you've got your camping gear you've got your stove you know all your food supplies you you you, you sort of bivy tent that you're going to sleep in sleeping bags all that kind of stuff. you know all, all, all your all your essential gear loaded in dry bags on the front or back of your board and off you go wherever that maybe you know and you're going to explore you're going to tour you're going to come back you're going to go feral for a few days that kind of stand-up paddle boarding yeah that 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 could be the one that actually sells it really moving forward oh, it's really exciting as well we, we interviewed tatty coco sap i'm not sure if you're aware yeah, of her. Yeah. and she yeah. she she did an adventure around Sardinia for 600 kilometers. Yeah, pretty full um, on. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. She's, she was talking about her, you know, her, how the stuff she went through. It's quite incredible. But also there's obviously Dave Cornthwaite who went down the Mississippi. Yeah, and, Dave, I know Dave very well. His, his shenanigans are pretty legendary, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. And, and Matt Crofton so, yeah, as well. We've got... Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. So who, who's got a fantastic book about his travels, which uh, we've yeah. both consumed. Um, yeah. But but yeah, absolutely. My I, I've got my sight on the uh, the Thames at some point this summer okay. if I get yeah. uh, a bit of leave from my wife. Um, <laughs> Sorry, the, uh, the one thing about a river is it was so difficult to find the source. Really, I mean, uh, yeah. I suppose you have an official source of the Thames, but then you get into that very 
um, small little bits and pieces of water when it's very shallow. On the top. Yeah, it's, and the problem yeah. we have as well in 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 the UK from an inland waterway point of view is 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 access. I mean, I don't know if you guys or anyone listening has sort of been watching the news, um, but the yeah. our current um governing party if you like has got a certain individual who's got a vested interest um in uh sort of reducing access to inland waterways because it basically makes up part of his revenue stream now i don't want to get heavily political or anything like this but you know at the end of the day inland waterways are there uh, um, and actually, as public, we all have access, but certain individuals within the establishment try to limit that access, which is a shame because that is a whole area of stand-up which could be bigger than any kind of sup on the coast, you know. And the whole adventure paddling thing, fitness. In fact, most of the disciplines, apart from obviously wave surfing, um, you know, could be bigger on inland water than they would be at the coast, but. It, it's just a case of whether we can get the access to that and, you know, well, not well, take away from fish revenue. Far be it from me to uh, encourage civil disobedience, but uh, I think I read the, <laughs> read the, uh, the same article. And yeah. um, one of the great things about British law is there's usually a, a law dating from 1650 or something which yeah. allow us to do yeah. stuff. So um, apparently there's one of those. I'm, I'm not a lawyer, yes. though. So it's definitely... Uh, no, it's definitely the same article we read then there, Simon. Yeah. <laughs> Just to get back on track about the choosing a, a board, um, I think I think we basically covered a lot of ground here. I mean, obviously, we've, we've, we haven't gone into every single different discipline to try yeah, and choose a board for that. As well. <laughs> no, it's been fantastic hearing your stuff, Tess. It's really, really great. Um, but it almost feels like we could do an episode on every single discipline itself. Oh, for sure. Time. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And I'm no expert in in all of them. I mean, there are there are the people out there that would be best, you know, suited to talk about each individual aspect of SUP than me. And and you know they're there. And I think you know your listeners, our readers, would love, you know, for those people to step forward and and sort of get involved with this kind of thing because knowledge is power after all. And 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 at the moment, you know, there's there's still a lot of knowledge which isn't being passed on through nobody's fault. That's not a criticism. It's just the way it is for the time being. But I do think moving forwards, we're going to get, you know, more of that knowledge come to the fore. And and before long, I do agree with what Laird Hamilton said a few years ago when first sort of emerged. And, that the, you know, it could be bigger than surfing. This could. I do believe that. absolutely because there's just so much more chance of it. I mean, it's, isn't it wonderful to see? Um, I remember Simon telling us about how he first saw stand-up paddling. He was in the middle of France, mm. and this guy came along and and picked up a board and just went off surfing in the canal mm. without a wave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you, you're right. There's just so much more opportunity we have wherever, wherever there's a lake and a river. But or, don't um, or the bath. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah, well. Um, Tez, thank you so much for all your no problem. Thanks been for really, having me. Yeah, it's been fantastic, and uh, and I hope we can speak again about yeah. you know a few of these different items. Good stuff. Cheers, and apologies cheers. once again if I've bored everybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not boring at all. It's exciting stuff. Great. Well, thanks very much, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Tez. No worries. Thank cheers. you. Thank you for listening to SUP FM, the number one podcast for stand-up paddlers wherever you are. If you like what you've heard, 
please leave us a review on iTunes. Until then, we'll see you in the water. <laughs>